Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, Columbus Underground reporter Brent Warren sat down with Brent Crawford and Bob Hoeing, the principals at real estate and property management organization Crawford Hoeing. They discussed how a chance meeting in the late 1990s led to a partnership that endures still today, how difficult times in their business led to positive momentum, and how to make sure that Columbus is growing in the right way. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive central Ohio. Morpsey's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth in the region. For more information, please visit morpsey.org. Enjoy the interview. Brent Crawford and Bob Hoang, thank you for joining me today, and I appreciate you sitting down with us to talk a little bit about development in Columbus. Sure. Thanks for having us. Um, well, we're here at Bridge Park, which is a pretty amazing story on its own right, um, and I want to talk about that. But first, I wondered if you could just kind of quickly give me the Crawford Hoying story, how you got started, how you guys met, and how we ended up where we are today as one of the bigger developers in the region. Well, I'm not sure there's a short, super short <laughs> answer to, right. uh, to our formation, but I'll give you a, a little background. And it started like a lot of developers do, which is not necessarily in the development business. And it was just traditional acquisition of multifamily properties in, in central Ohio. And I was fortunate enough to start the latter years of, of college mm-hmm. while, while Bob was still playing football. I was in the process of, of buying property and, and had grown it to a pretty substantial size in the, in the mid-90s and, and had a couple thousand units in the campus uh, area in, in Hilliard as well. And during that time frame, Bob and I, uh, while he was off in the NFL, had uh, a random chance meeting on a golf course. Uh, is how the company actually started uh, as, as far as Crawford Hoying as we know it today. And we just uh, randomly got put together on the golf course one day and had some really good conversations and uh, sort of hit it off. And, and he asked what I did, and I knew what he did uh, <laughs> at the time. And uh, uh, was interested in our business. He had a little background in it relative to, to real estate, being that his father was in the construction business. And so we talked about uh, his maybe being uh, involved in the company uh, so he would, during the summers, come back and visit with us and uh, really start to learn the business. And, and a few years into it, today, I think this is something I'm really interested in, in, in being a part of when I uh, com- you know, finish up in the NFL. Yeah, and I think for me, it was, um, it was my second year in the NFL, and I was looking for – I was a third-round draft pick and looking for the next chapter of my life uh, when football would end because, you know, really uh, – 
in the NFL can be over with at any time. And, and so I was looking for that next thing and met Brent. And Brent was really an expert in in multifamily apartments. He was the one one stop shop. He did everything. He, he put financing on on the deals. He mowed lawn. He turned <laughs> units. And so from just being uh, having that knowledge of, of what what he was uh, managing and, and what we were doing uh, gave me a lot of comfort and I was able to play a number of years after that but uh, so it just felt like a good fit uh, to me and and every year I came back uh, in the off season was more became more and more involved in stuff we were doing and like anything it just grows from there and we over the years have been lucky to surround ourselves with really really good people mm -hmm. that have come over the years to to join our company well I think like a lot of people that are in the real estate business uh, even when I had all my existing properties I thought about development but you don't really understand the full uh, depth of what it takes to be in the real estate uh, uh, development business and so while we were gathering and growing significantly and we'd actually gotten up to 8,000 apartments in Columbus that we had purchased over over a number of years but still with the thought of building our own uh, properties and you know how do you get to that point and uh, is always the tough case because it requires all the, the expertise and disciplines of every part of real estate. You really have to understand every facet for it to make, uh, to make sense and be successful at it. Because of the development, or excuse me, of the uh, real estate business, it's the most risky mm -hmm. piece, is the development piece. So if you don't know what you're doing, it's uh, very challenging. We were fortunate that his father uh, owned, uh, was part owner of a company called Bracket Builders, mm. uh, which uh, Bob and his brother uh, Tom and I are, are all owners of today. But it was a great launch for us because beyond the development piece, the construction portion is the most challenging, mm -hmm. right? And understanding how that works. And so that brought that expertise. And so we were able to start and do our first development, I think in what, 2004, 2005 yep. timeframe. And we're with the idea we wanted to, to ramp that up. But of course that little hiccup happened in 2008. Right. And we really paused at that point. And uh, we really were essentially just focused on ensuring that the, the quality of our portfolio remained through the difficult downturns and it certainly without question it was a very challenging period for us as it was for any real estate company but out of that uh, was born the development company and really as we look back at it today while we don't want to go through it again we always say it was the best thing that ever could have happened to us was those very difficult times learned how to run a company mm -hmm. um, operations things that really mattered it went from sort of really uh, top line revenue heavy uh, to the revenue just literally dissipating in a matter of, of weeks and understanding how we have to run a company from there. So uh, we also then, one critical component, in fact, it may be the most critical component, as we always say, is we met Nelson Yoder. Mm. Uh, Nelson was an architect at M&A Architects and had approached us randomly uh, about a development on Lane Avenue, mm. which is one of our first and original developments, and uh, was out on the street trying to find somebody to do uh, the deal with. Wow. And uh, it was a challenging time because it was 2011, uh, was the initial conversations and banks weren't lending people weren't investing in new developments and uh, we thought hey this is we love the site and he you know approached us and we ended up agreeing to do the deal together with him but during that process we we realized that he was a genius <laughs> uh, and it didn't take long to understand wow this guy has immense talent that I've never seen before and that still is true today I've never met uh, anybody like him so he really helped us launch that business and we needed that expertise we certainly understood the finance side had a construction component at that point uh, understood the operations the leasing but how do you really get it from a from the raw dirt and yeah. so he you know he brought that expertise to us 
Great. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it's it's one thing to to sit around your office and say, hey, you know, I wonder what we could put on that piece of property. Mm -hmm. And and when Nelson came in house to Brent's Point, we were able to really walk into his office and say, hey, we're, we're thinking about the, doing this deal. You know, what can we fit here? And within hours, he'd come back with a sketch mm -hmm. that made sense that we could develop into our you know take our financial analysis and, and put performance together. And so it really was that last sort of missing piece uh, that allowed us to, to start doing some of the early stuff that, that we did. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested because we spoke to you guys, I think it was almost exactly three years ago about Bridge Park. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think, I mean, you were heavy into the construction phase. I don't think anything had opened yet. Probably not. Um, so we were talking all kind of hypothetical, how the market looked, how the interest was from people. And here we are. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, we're surrounded by these tall buildings and there's restaurants open and office offices and people moved in. And um, I'm curious, just checking at, at this point in the development, how would you say it has gone as you expected, as you were hoping it would three years ago? What what have been the surprises? I, I think both he and I would agree it's gone better than we probably could have dreamed. I, I, we've always been dreamers. I guess we would say we call ourselves practical dreamers. Uh, a lot of people, I think, when this originally started, in fact, will have it happen to us now, especially that it's been successful. People will come up to us, other real estate developers, people in the business lenders, and say, we thought you guys were insane when this happened. We said this will never work. Um, it's going to take them under. It's, a, you know, it's, a, it's way too big of a gamble. And uh, we just felt very strongly, and part of it is all the principals, uh, uh, Bob and I, and then, of course, Nelson as well. We all live in Dublin. We know Dublin. Our headquarters was here. So we really had a sense of the market and what was missing and the amount of wealth here, people willing to dine out, uh, the, number of, or the amount of office here, mm. uh, most of which was 20 to 30 years old. And so we just had a really strong feeling that it would be successful. And then, of course, from an apartment and housing perspective, Dublin had not allowed any new apartments for more than 20 years. Mm. So there was a big housing gap. And fortunately for us, Dublin was on the same page. They knew that they had to do this to compete for the future, uh, especially from an office perspective. They were losing a lot of office to the downtown or short north and places that were more vibrant. And so uh, I think that's been proven out for us, a company like UpDocs, for example, mm -hmm. uh, Dublin technology company that's growing quickly, uh, they'll tell you for sure without Bridge Park, they wouldn't be in Dublin. Right. And there's a lot of businesses there, and some of which we've brought from downtown that left downtown mm -hmm. to come up here. And so it's really uh, um, exceeded our expectations. We were essentially 100% leased on all office wow. at this point, which is really incredible. We're pre-leasing for our next office buildings now. Uh, I think we're approaching 90% on the restaurant retail. Uh, leasing for the entire development, which is also really amazing. And the apartments were uh, surpassing 70% now, which is also strong considering how many units we've brought online. Yeah. And then the condos have all, uh, on the first building, sold out 100%. Wow. We're, we're more than, we're probably 70% on the next phase of our condominiums here. So it's certainly exceeded our expectation. I think the key to it, though, is you got to keep going and it's momentum. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. So when we originally started and included some lenders, uh, people would say, why don't you just start with one building or mm -hmm. two buildings? And, and the reality is that doesn't create any density or any sense of place. Yeah. You had to, at some point in life, you got to take a big, you got to make a big bet. And that's kind of what we said is where, where would we make a big bet? I, I think we'll make a big bet in one of the richest municipalities in the United States where we have our homes, where our business is, where we know the dynamics in the marketplace. 
uh, let's go for it. And I think it's paid off. I think if we had just thrown up a couple buildings, that we would have never seen the success. And that's why we're going to continue to, to go yeah. uh, at this point because we've not seen any abatement in interest. Uh, the market's still allowing for it. The financing market is still allowing for it, and we still the phone just continues to ring repeatedly. Uh, we receive phone calls every single day. There's not a day that goes by that a commercial tenant doesn't call asking about space that's available. Yeah, I, I think um, just beyond the leasing, it's it's all the other stuff. I think it's when when concepts have opened here, they they've done extremely well and, and continue to do extremely well, even better as we're bringing what would be. Uh, I guess perceived as more competition is actually added. Um, it makes it more of a destination for yeah, people. Yeah, people are just coming in. Uh, you know, the parking is super convenient here. Um, and so uh, just the various concepts that have opened up have way exceeded our expectations. And theirs. Yeah, and theirs. And, and uh, I think you look at the AC Marriott, the, the hotel has done extremely well. You know, and it's uh, going on its second year of, of being open. It was so, the hotel of the year for Marriott in the United States. Wow. And yeah. what's, what's the market at the hotel? Who, who's staying there? It's the business traveler uh -huh. is, is, you know, we're running typically 85 to 90% throughout the week, occupancy-wise, with, with increasing average daily rates. And then where we've done well, too, is it is we have created a destination. So it's not unusual. People do staycations. We hear it all the time. They might live in Dublin. They just might live up in Wedgwood or somewhere north of here, and they come down and stay on the weekend. And they might bar hop, restaurant hop. Uh, with what we've already have open, what's existing in Old Dublin, and what's coming, there'll be 25-plus restaurants and bars they can walk to in five minutes. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, we're getting a great weekend, a lot of weddings. Yeah, I think uh, just look at this past year, it's the, um, it's the activities and events that have happened here that we didn't anticipate three years ago. You know, we were expanding Four Fest, which is a partnership with Memorial Tournament this year, to three nights. Um, it's the farmer's market that we launched this past year. It was very successful on mm -hmm. Saturday mornings. Uh, and it's led to other opportunities. Now tenants are, are doing uh, planning activities um, on their own. And so I think for us to, to three years ago to look, look ahead and say oh, all of this stuff is going to happen, it's way exceeded our expectations. Yeah. And I think it's, it's exceeded our expectations from a numerical perspective. Just the lease and the occupancy, the rents that we're achieving, we're really getting top of market rents mm. in most every area short of maybe outside the short north. And so we couldn't be more proud of that. But I, I would say if you, the thing we're most proud of is when we walk out of here, maybe not today in a zero degree day, but just about any other day, if you we won't leave our office at whatever time it may be and you step onto the street, that is what we're most proud of, is just the energy and the feeling. I, we yeah, there's were, people out there. There Welcome. are people yeah, out there. Yeah. And we were, my wife and I were having dinner a few weeks ago. It was on a decent day. I mean, it was only in the 30s, but uh, we were sitting in the restaurant. And I looked at it and I said, look outside right now. There were... I mean, dozens of people sort of at each corner passing by in and out of restaurants, people having a, a fantastic time. We left and walked down to Penn's Mechanical and just were blown away. I mean, the energy of people and, and the happiness. And so with each new thing that we add from that, what you were pointing to is that is the destination piece of it is what's been most exciting for us. Because if you go back three years prior to Bridge Park and said and ask somebody from Hilliard, how often do you go to Dublin for dinner? never 
Marysville, Worthington, you go on and on. It was almost non-existent. In fact, uh, I believe the stat was roughly 80% of all the dining dollars of Dublin residents were not spent in Dublin Mm -hmm. prior to Bridge Park. And I would love to know what that stat is uh, today because now we're in a scenario where I talk to people and they don't ever leave Dublin, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you could say is good and bad, but they love it here, right? It's, um, it's, we've created a spot, but we're bringing in people. uh, We know this just from receipts and, and even at the AC, you know, getting data that we're bringing in lots of people from other markets uh, around here coming to see. And I think that's going to grow significantly with some of the additions we have coming. Mm-hmm. Um, when we spoke three years ago, I know you were speaking about the uh, the strong interest from the empty nester category mm-hmm. and how many people were already ringing you guys up and saying, we want to live here. Yeah. And you hadn't yet seen at that point the young professional side of it come up. And I'm curious where, where that's at now. It has happened. Yeah. It has happened. And we kind of anticipated it would. They're a little slower in terms of the preparation, you know, the planning. They don't plan ahead they quite as much. They don't plan ahead, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So we still are having phenomenal empty nester interest. That's that's almost, it is still surprising how many are moving in on a regular basis. But we have seen the average age continue to come down, mm. especially now that some of the destination places. And, and uh, no question, Penn's Mechanical, 16-bit places like that and we've we've leased about 140,000 square feet of office yeah so that's uh, obviously so helpful. there's people who work here and oh, yeah. oh, lots yeah. of people and including in our company it's so fun to see uh, uh, in our office here the people they just come out of their apartment walk right down the street mm-hmm. and, and into the office and then walk out to the restaurants it's and it'll be obviously the same for me once the pedestrian bridge is done and from a lifestyle perspective uh, I think they just absolutely love that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know UpDocs has a number of their employees also live here mm-hmm. as well, and some of them in the same building, so they just take the elevator straight up. <laughs> um, we've been talking a lot just in general in Columbus. I feel like there's a lot of discussion about uh, the continued growth of the region and how we're going to grow by you know more or less a million people in the next mm-hmm. uh, couple of decades. Um, and the big question is, can we grow in the right way to accommodate all that growth and you know if we continue to just sprawl out then it's going to be really hard to do Mm -hmm. that Um, bridge park is an example of where you've put in more density than in one place than maybe anybody else Mm -hmm. (laughs) in recent years do you see this as i mean obviously you're not done with bridge park so there's more to come but do you see this as something that can be repeated within the columbus region i mean are you guys have plans to do more of this do you think do you hear from other developers are they going to be doing more of this kind of thing yeah we do i mean i think uh for us we tell people all the time this thing um it's not changing anytime soon it may slow down if interest rates go up um but 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 people going back to the cores whether that's the core of dublin or the core of columbus clintonville it's happening i mean Mm -hmm. we see it all the time and it's not going to change um and so from that perspective I think we, we feel very lucky that that we've done these types of developments you know going back to 2010-11 with our first down in Upper Arlington so we have new projects that we're working on down in Upper Arlington um, a couple we haven't announced yet we've, we've got a very large project over in the Dayton area that's a downtown revitalization of, of, of an area around Fifth Third Field so I think for us we we're, we're, we think we're very lucky that we're this is kind of what we've gotten good at. We've pl- made plenty of mistakes and we've improved over the years, but nothing that's drastic. You always learn at, at what you're doing. So we've been able to apply those to the next project, the next phase. I mean, there's certain information we were able to get from the first two phases of Bridge Park that we're applying now to the phase that we just started. So um, 
that's exciting. That's very exciting for us. And I think the other piece to this, too, is people often say to us, this trend or this fad, this will end and we'll go back to something else. And my response always is that everything else that happened previously was a fad. <laughs> uh, if you really go back to, say, from the 1920s to the 1990s and that sort of urban sprawl, that was the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, every other piece of history, essentially, was infill um, dense uh, development. Walkable development. Yeah, walkable yeah. development. Mm-hmm. So I always ask people to ask themselves, when the market collapsed, what were the areas that w- that suffered the most, right? It was wherever there was urban sprawl is what suffered the most. Where values didn't really go down if would be Boston, mm-hmm. New York, place that were built on the urban principles that are essentially in Europe. And why, for me, I love to go to Europe because there's no better feel than walking through European cities for that specific reason. So, well, all, even here in Columbus, like Grandview, right. we didn't see the home home prices nope. go down. Up Arlington, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of places where they didn't go down. It's very easy to see which ones and why they didn't. Mm-hmm. So we're just simply going back to what worked in every other part of history, except for you know we failed from the 19 say really not even the 20s, really from the 40s, mm-hmm. 50s, post-war uh, through the 1990s. So we just think we're we're going what was successful for hundreds of years. Um, I'm interested to hear, because um, you guys have that Upper Arlington project. You also did that Worthington project, yes. right? That yes. was pretty early on. It was early on. And these are two communities where we've seen some resistance from residents to mm-hmm. apartments coming in. And I'm interested to hear your take on how you were able to do that. How did you work with the neighbors? Mm-hmm. Um, and. Do you think that's a challenge moving forward for some of these places? I think it is for some people. Uh, you know, Bob can step in too, but I think one of the things that's made us very successful is we uh, address things right up front. So we immediately with meet with neighbors. Uh, we immediately meet with council members, anybody who's involved, and really lay it out because I think for what happens is it's just a matter of fear and a level of fear of the unknown. So if you can help eliminate some of the unknown right from the get-go. So I think one of the mistakes that people make is they prepare an entire development and they launch it out as if it's ready to be built without ever having talked to any stakeholders in the area. So we try to avoid that issue. It happened on our Lane Avenue, newest Lane Avenue development. We, we had to step in a little bit later in the game because you know originally the, the previous owner was having some difficulty getting it through. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of it was just communication. Uh, it wasn't really being the plan wasn't being communicated probably as well as it could have been. And we stepped in and, and really turned what was a referendum scenario yeah. uh, in a matter of months to them dropping the referendum and being in full support of it. And it was really because we just uh, educated them on the process. And, and it happened in Worthington as well. So city council. And I think generally people think when you're building new apartments, uh, kids right away, kids ruining schools, kids filling up the schools. They can't handle it, and we've pretty much shown that that's not what these developments necessarily are. Uh, and you know, tapping a Lane Avenue, and so we have lots of data now. And and other people use our data and vice versa to say, okay, in this, all of our apartments here, we have four school-age kids, mm-hmm. and of those, three of those were already in the district. Their parents were divorced, or they temporary housing, and so forth. So uh, I think it's communications a huge key mm-hmm. uh, to getting these uh, approved. Yeah, and I think we're willing to, you know, make some concessions if height's an issue, you know, and we'll step down architecture as it, as it you know, maybe meets, you know, single-family homes, and, and we'll, we'll work on landscape buffering like we did in Worthington uh, with um, a development or a, a neighborhood that was uh, to our south. So I think we're willing to, to, to work with, and we're not the only developers that do that. There are other really good ones that, that, that will get in early and meet with 
with the neighbors. So, um, yeah, I think that's been that's been the key for us is is really just being open and upfront. What do you say? Because one of the things I hear a lot is, um, oh, we don't want apartments. That's well. One of the things is people say, oh, that's a transient population. And then the other thing is they say that's going to bring my property values down. I would say it's the complete opposite. And I think there's a lot of factual uh, data that would support that. In an example, when when we were originally talking about Bridge Park and we would had some of the same feedback and we did community meetings, we would do meetings with entire neighborhood associations. So some of the largest in Dublin we met with right away because if you don't get a handle on it very quickly, it will it'll spin out of control. Yep. So we wanted to make sure that we met with them initially. And so the thought process is that D- Dublin, for example, without having a lot of apartments, you, you don't have an incubator in order to bring residents in here permanently. And so uh, thinking of homes like, for example, in Muirfield, who's going to be the future buyer of those homes, especially as people are transitioning into urban infill you have retiring to, and moving south yeah reti- there they as that group ages and they move out who's going to be the next buyer and it's reason you've seen in places like that the values while the market has rebounded not so much in, in neighborhoods like that where you just literally have hundreds and hundreds of homes there aren't enough buyers coming through but one way you can help to protect that is by having people living here uh, whether it be their first apartment second apartment whatever it may be young professionals living in the area so that they experience and say well we love dublin we don't want to leave dublin and we are eventually going to have kids and we're going to buy a house and we're going to stay in dublin it's very unlikely that if they never experienced dublin let's say they lived in the short north the entire time that suddenly they're going to make the leap to go to a market they've really never been to and so uh, we've seen it around here Part of it is because it's from the attraction perspective, but property values without question have significantly risen within uh, anybody close to Bridge Park. Uh, values have gone up significantly, and we did hear that right away. People say, this is going to destroy our property values, and we tried to tell them and give them examples of Upper Arlington, for example, the closest properties to Lane Avenue went up in value. Certainly, if you go to the short north, one block off High Street are the highest values. The further you get away from it, they actually drop. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so I think we've we've established that well now and but that does go back to you got to really right out of the gate go meet with the group so we were meeting with groups of 50 to 100 or more at a time and that completely changed the tide we could start a meeting in which it was a little bit contentious potentially and by the end of it just have a hundred percent full support and then they're out there on our behalf telling what the actual facts are instead of allowing people to sort of make up their own narrative and I think the other thing to point out is you know before these types of developments were, were built, people from Dublin really didn't have that many options. If they wanted to downsize and live in a condo walkable, they had to go downtown Columbus. Um, and maybe they wanted to, but there was nothing to, to have an option up here locally. And a lot of them moved to Dublin early in their adult life. They wanted to retire, live here forever. Um, and so now they have now they have that option to stay local and, and see their kids if their kids live in Dublin. So that's been good to see. And we've got a lot of examples of very specific examples of that. I wish I could give you exact <laughs> names, but of, of people that are um, high salaried people in Dublin that were, were going to move downtown because Dublin did not have the housing type that they were looking for, whether it be in the condominiums or even in the apartments. So they just said, hey, we're going to. Uh, we want that lifestyle, and they were going to leave. And now, one was in a contract, you know, ended up getting out of it, and ended up buying a condo here because it provided what they were exactly looking for. So, you're keeping a lot of the wealth in Dublin that was really just said they were to the point where that 
people they want a lot of them want the same lifestyle that, that they have in Florida in their second home. A lot of them have that winter home where they are within walking distance of everything, and this this provides really that second second lifestyle that they're looking for. Mm. Once again, the Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive Central Ohio. MORPSI's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth for the region. For more information, please visit morpsy.org. You mentioned the how you sort of weathered the recession at a key, key point in the development of your company. Um, what do you see on the horizon in terms of uh, the market in central Ohio? I mean, I've heard some concern about construction costs and labor costs mm-hmm. and uh, just the economy in general. Are you optimistic or are you a little concerned when you look to the, the next five years or so? I mean, our biggest challenge right now is, and Brent would agree, is, is our pricing from subcontractors. You know, uh, finding great quality subcontractor labor because everybody's really busy. Now, I think it's slowed down a little bit. At least it feels that way to us. Um, but I know for us, we've always just con- concentrated on having great great sites, great real estate, you know, so if it does slow down a little bit, it might, it might slow down, but we're still developing in really good spots around Columbus and central Ohio and other, other markets we're looking at Mm -hmm. now. So, um, who knows about the future, you know, a year from now, uh, I think for us, we're concentrating on, on having really good sites to develop projects Mm -hmm. in and, and really developing and delivering stuff people want in their community, you know? And I do think we're fortunate here in in Dublin or excuse me in Columbus versus the rest of the market so we have friends that are in Cleveland and Cincinnati and there it's you know it's a different feel there right so they're they're trying to develop it in a declining population scenario a lot of them coming to Columbus so as you know and you guys have documented well there's we're not building enough housing now mm-hmm. to, to satisfy what's coming and so we still think there's room to run especially in Columbus of course there'll be a slowdown developers are notorious for uh, overbuilding and, and part of that is, is because it's, it's a lagging indicator in the sense that we've already signed our contracts. We've started our development. It may take us from, you know, especially something like Bridge Park that's so big, but even just a traditional development, 18, 24 months. Well, if the market's already turned, you can't stop. You're already building. And so uh, there's always a lag period where, okay, we've overbuilt. We're going to have to stop for a second and let it, let it catch up. I do think we've still, got a, we've still got a run left in us. Uh, very, very specifically for us, because we do believe everybody thinks their sites are great. Uh, as long as you pick really, really good sites, when things turn down, it's no different when, when the collapse happened in our 8,000 apartments, for example. The ones that were really well, well located were just fine. They mm-hmm. still maintained occupancy. So we're really laser focused on trying to have uh, one of a couple of things, either just absolutely fantastic sites or fantastic partnerships. And we always reference, so for example, our Dayton development has just been an incredible home run for us. But part of that is we do love the site, but if somebody would have said, five years ago downtown Dayton and the same thing people said you guys are insane but what they didn't really know is the the partnership that we had done with the city of Dayton Hmm. and that's what's really propelled that and we were we can't buy enough property down there I was going to ask about Dayton because you mentioned Cleveland and Cincinnati as losing population and these other Ohio cities a lot of them are in in that boat and 
I think Dayton's probably in that boat too, right? It probably is. I think they've stabilized. I think a little bit different scenario in Dayton in that Cleveland and Cincinnati have rebounded some. Certainly mm-hmm. if you've been up to Cleveland, I, oh, yeah. I love to go up there. It's really actually a fantastic city, and they've uh, done great things. They're losing population uh, still. Dayton, I think, has stabilized a little bit. And if I'm not wrong, I believe Dayton led uh, Ohio last year in job, job growth percentage. Um, so they 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 had a lower bar. They were in the first. You know, as we referenced, we actually had a meeting with the mayor a couple of days ago. I still think they're in the second inning or third inning of what's capable uh, down there. And so we're very proud of that development because we were were we're the first ones to do of any any significant development down there. Uh, but we just felt like with the deal that we had with the city and their partnership and involvement in it, it would be successful. And amazingly, as we always reference, the first 218 apartments we built there were essentially 100% leased certificate of occupancy. I've really never heard of that <laughs> before. So then within a week or so of, of opening, virtually it was 100% occupied. We did the next 54, same thing, certificate of occupancy, fully leased. Another 132, fully leased just a couple weeks after closing. We did a 50,000 square foot office building. <laughs> no new office in 20 plus years in downtown Dayton, 100% leased when we opened. Wow. Uh, we just you, are you looking at other markets in Ohio? Are, we, we are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are. You think there's some potential? We do, but I would say this: we're we get pitched sites daily, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, but we're being very particular. Uh, five years ago, we always sort of joke: you could throw a dart at the board and make money. It didn't really matter where you were, and part of that was because where construction prices were. Construction prices now, over the last three years, probably are up thirty plus percent. Uh, so you've basically compressed the. The ability to make money at this point so now we have to be very particular about what we're uh, what we're purchasing one thing that will help the run continue and we watch it very very closely is, is interest rates interest rates are coming down not going up uh, the Fed may have raised rates but that's irrelevant relative generally to what we do which we're really focused on whatever the long term what's the 10-year Treasury trading at and it's almost hit a new low uh, here again today and it's probably I think everybody's called in the high uh, here we, we may not see those highs again for years hmm. and with that being the case that really pushes it out because we were looking at a scenario if a 10-year or 10-year fixed rate was at six percent that makes it really tough which historically is an extremely low rate but with these construction costs doesn't really work well now we're in the fours and so that, that makes a big difference I think uh, for us we've been um, lucky to have some some really good projects to work on and put on a resume so people that do come to Bridge Park other cities from around Columbus uh, or around Columbus in the state of Ohio when they come here they see it they they go back and they want their version of what Bridge Park could be for their community and so uh, we've been uh, you know blessed with those types of opportunities and some we have not announced yet and we're working on now that we're really excited about some really really big ones that I think are game-changing for Columbus oh Uh, we've talked a lot about Dublin, um, but you guys also are downtown. You're in the short north. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, what what are the different, I mean, I'm sure that building in downtown or the short north comes with different challenges mm-hmm. than building in Dublin. Uh, what are the main main ones that you've run into? Well, site challenges are the biggest one, just the, the ability to build. So, for example, the 800 North High uh, with a Moxie Hotel and office retail restaurant. 
is going to be that's obviously a very small site i think it's only 0.56 acres and we've packed a whole bunch on there so just the ability to build on the site is a real challenge there's no uh, as we call it lay down space whereas here we have that um we'll run out of it as we keep building mm -hmm. uh, but that's probably the biggest challenge that we have to deal with um columbus is, is supportive of development and so they're helpful it's not you know a huge challenge uh, to get work done down there uh, we've had while well, we haven't announced yet we've had phenomenal success on on the leasing down there that we'll have be able to report here very shortly and we're excited about that and we're still looking down there we're going to have another big announcement for downtown mm -hmm. coming here over the next uh probably 60 90 days that we are beyond excited about so we're still looking down there as well but again it's just uh you know if we get a dozen deals now we might do one might even be less percentage than that so mm -hmm. you just got to be very particular about what you're doing i do worry for some developers uh in some i think there's certain parts of the market the, the garden style apartment you know along the outer belt there's still a lot of those being developed and those i would have concern it's not of interest to us um, and i could be wrong they may look at us and say oh i think they're doing too mixed too much mixed use development but um our feeling is this trend is going to continue and and including downtown I, we're hopeful that while the short north has really exploded and has been fantastic that the down, real downtown continues and i think with what's coming and some of the couple of things we're working on there's really going to be just a next jump up and i think for us i mean we, we're headquartered in dublin and i think uh we maybe get labeled that we're just dublin focused but we're columbus guys we both went to ohio state we're doing We've done stuff in Upper Arlington, Worthington, around town. So I think just the region in general, um, we love it so much. It's why we I came back after I was done playing and, and settled here uh, for, for everything that we have here. So uh, we'll, we'll just continue to, to keep looking for those great opportunities here locally. Mm -hmm. Another issue that's been talked about a lot recently in Columbus is affordable housing and how to get more of that into the market mm -hmm. to sort of balance what we're seeing as a lot of uh, the inequality of the housing opportunities. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that. I mean, I'm, you guys aren't affordable housing developers, but um, is there a way to work that into any of your future developments? Do you see that as being a, a possibility? We, 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 we have a little bit within some of our developments and, and how we've done it is just deliver smaller units you know yeah. so it's all about the price point for people to get in and live somewhere and it's still a really nice unit but it might be an efficiency or a studio and they got to be under a thousand dollars a month or 850 in rent you know and so we're really trying to push that but it is a challenge uh very challenging um because land is expensive and if there's not some subsidy or some way to write down uh, those rents uh it will continue to be a challenge yeah. for, for most developers and i think most people and even if you go on Columbus Underground and you read the comments after stories about developers and you sort of hear the greedy developer <laughs> scenario and why aren't they building it, it, it's not a matter of that, that a developer's not doing it because they don't want to make a ton of money. It's a, that it's not even remotely feasible. It just on a true market perspective, you could never get any investment. You could not get financing. It just is a literal impossibility to do just as a market rate uh, essential deal. So it takes partnership from everybody. And I can tell you, we are very passionate about it. We've, we've met with the mayor's office. Mm -hmm. um, we want to contribute. We want to be part of the solution. But it's going to take a comprehensive plan where everybody's giving something, and we're certainly willing to do that. Uh, but I think there, there are things in the works for Columbus that I think uh, can work, and it's going to have to be a national um, theme in the sense of it's, it's not going to solve itself. 
government absolutely has to play a part in it, and there's just no other way around it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I can. We have a lot of developer friends, and everybody wants to be part of the solution, but somebody has to be able to put forward a path to say we can do this deal and at the very least not lose an absolute fortune. Right. And that's what it is. It's not about trying to make a bunch of money. It's just trying you can't do it and lose 50% of your money the moment you build it. Right. It's not feasible. It seems like there is uh, the will there, or at least the talk about it in on the Columbus side. Mm-hmm. But what about like on the Dublin side or Worthington side? I mean, you have a lot of workers here probably working in the restaurants that mm-hmm. aren't going to be able to afford to live in these apartments. Yeah. A little bit to Bob's message. I mean, that that's why we tried to have the smaller units. That doesn't address everything, right? So if, if somebody works in the bars and restaurants and they're a family of four, they can't live in, in a studio right. apartment. So it, it, it's a real challenge. And we've had it here. If somebody asks, what is the one of the biggest challenges you've had with Bridge Park, and not necessarily us specifically, but the people that have uh, that open businesses here is find employment. So the restaurants, we've had restaurants having to delay openings by a week or two because they couldn't get enough workers mm-hmm. to come. And these are these are nice restaurants paying very nice wages, but they're trying to attract people from different parts of town. And transportation, of course, plays a big role in that. And if they got to drive 20 minutes, and maybe they don't have a car. And so how do you, how do you have them live here uh, or live nearby so that they can fill the jobs and and that's a challenge that we don't have an, uh, we don't have an answer to right now is this transportation plays an enormous part of it i think dublin has an interest in it they understand it's very important but where does all the where does all the money come from in order to to make it happen it's um it's a question that needs to be answered and i don't think i think everyone's trying mm-hmm. no one's found the solution yet yeah well thank you for for that answer and for all your answers is really interesting conversation I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information about what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite developer. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.